Hello, and welcome to the Marketing Times Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Safranis, and today I'm on with Ryan Carlson. Ryan, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks for having me on, Alex. Uh, my name is Ryan Carlson, and I am the Senior Director of CRM and Analytics for Fan Interactive Marketing. So, Ryan, what does Fan Interactive do, um, and, and can you tell us a little bit more about your role there? Absolutely. So, Fan Interactive uh, is probably best described as a boutique agency that allows our, our partners, our clients to get the most out of their data and their tools in areas of mainly CRM and email marketing uh, with some online advertising in there as well by providing expertise through uh, bandwidth and staff augmentation. Uh, and where, where my role really comes into play is primarily on the CRM side of things. That's uh, where I sit along with my, uh, my supervisor, Joel McFadden, who is our chief operating officer. But my role also uh, moves into an operations side as well uh, on both the email and CRM side. Before we continue, I want to tell you about a book I wrote. It's titled Hired, The Kick in the You-Know-What, You Need to get a job in the 2020s. Hired will give you the tools and strategies to find a job in the 2020s. You'll learn the latest tips and tricks for resumes in the digital age. You'll learn how to structure your LinkedIn profile for maximum social media search optimization. And you'll also learn from the experiences of young and seasoned professionals. The link to buy the book is in the description of this podcast episode. And now, back to the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit more about how email marketing works? Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of how Fan Interactive really operates within the email marketing space, there's, there's really kind of six different areas that uh, we, we play around in. And that's the strategic, the creative, segmenting, deploying, automating, and analyzing. So... Uh, what we're working with our partners on our strategy around their audiences, uh, whether that's looking at past buyers of certain things, targeting ads, whether it's Google, AdWords, Facebooks, websites, all that good stuff, uh, kind of strategizing who should see what. Uh, then we are also able to work with our partners on creative. Um, we are happy to to jump in and and help in terms of actually building it, or if they have a team that's that can build things on their own, that's totally fine. We fill in the gaps where, wherever it makes sense. Uh, and from there, uh, we we then help on segmenting, so figuring out what's the right message for the right audience. Uh, once we help them determine that, we help deploy uh, that message, and we are system agnostic. So whether that's a a tool like Marketo, Eloqua, Salesforce, Marketing Cloud. It really could be whatever system the the client wants to use for deploying those emails. Uh, we are able to use whatever that system is and have a variety of experts and a variety of different tools uh, that could come in and deploy those emails and help uh, with the next category I mentioned, which is automating. So the automation piece is not only deploying those emails, but helping to Defined journeys, uh, which is mainly a, a term used in the Salesforce marketing cloud area, where we're kind of defining a certain pathway for for folks who are getting either a drip campaign uh, of various uh, emails or various pathways. 
Uh, and then on the very end, we're helping the client analyze the results of those emails. What's your, your click rates, your open rates? Was this successful? Was it not? And then we're really repeating the entire process. So it's it's far more than just you know, selecting a list of people and, and firing email off. There's a, a lot that goes into it. Um, and it's it's really quite interesting. Yeah. So, Ryan, tell me about your background. How did you get to your current role? Yeah, it's a, an interesting question. So. I, uh, as weird as it sounds, I'll, I'll start in high school. I actually started in this program in high school called DECA. And um, my advisor at the time, this this guy named Justin Service, who will probably get a kick out of me mentioning his name, uh, got me involved in this marketing program. And really, I, I did it just because you could get out of school um, like halfway through the day during, during your senior year. And it's probably not the greatest excuse for, for getting into something, but uh, it ended up working out and found that uh, I had a bit of a talent for this program. So what it ended up being at the time was uh, you would take a test for some, some business acumen for the category that you're on, and you'd also uh, have a chance to do some role play scenarios. And you would compete against other people in your district. And if you qualified, you'd make it to a state level and then to a national level. And I was fortunate enough to... Uh, do well at both the district and the state level and compete nationally. And I had really no idea that I um, had uh, really any type of interest in in the business categories that we were talking about. And there was a lot of analytical things in in the business services, which was my category at the time. Uh, But it also taught me, because it was broken out into this category of both testing your knowledge and role-playing that it's never just about the data itself. It's also about the ability to explain it and put a story around it. So that further was kind of hammered home when I went to college and I went to Miami of Ohio and and majored in marketing and was also on, as odd as it sounds, the speech team. And on the speech team, it, it kind of hammered home the, speaking and, and verbalizing aspect and with with analytics it's kind of re- reminded that you can have whatever numbers and whatever data in front of you it, but if you don't have the ability to verbalize it and tell the story and put context around it that it doesn't really matter and when we you know eventually we'll, we'll talk about like the value of analytics to our organization that that is the value. Um, so the, the my background kind of started in high school and it went went through through college into this marketing degree and um, using the speech team kind of as a as another pathway and eventually um, married a, a girl who I uh, met in college and she. Uh, somehow got me to move to Michigan, which do I where I'm not from, um, and found my way in the, the front office of the Detroit Red Wings, working in their digital marketing uh, and analytics department. Uh, ended up there for two seasons. Uh, was also fortunate enough to receive their Employee of the Year Award for some, some fun things they did with them, uh, and also got into announcing on, uh, kind of randomly, uh, so that uh, public speaking also came in handy once again. Uh, and uh, eventually moved to a vendor 
uh, of the the Red Wings uh, for CRM and somewhat email marketing, and then moved to another couple of vendors through through various ways that eventually ended up with Fan Interactive. Uh, so been kind of bouncing around a little bit since then, but not in a not in a hop, skip, and jump kind of way, but mainly through acquisitions and, and mainly through that. So uh, it's been an interesting interesting ride, but it's been a lot of fun and. Uh, yeah, it's fun. I never thought that I would have to uh, bring up the DECA and speech team stuff, but uh, I'm sure there were a lot of people that are listening to this will laugh at me for, for bringing it up. Would you say that that was the best extracurricular that you did in terms of uh, value or practical value in your life? I would have to say yes. I mean, as much as I would want to say, you know, athletics or playing playing basketball, playing football, doing all that stuff would, would be the most valuable. It, it's hard to argue that those other two are not the most, right? And you, you think about what's going to provide the most bang for your buck in, in terms of the long run. And I'm not going to go pro in either of the, the other two. And uh, I think the skills acquired from, from DECA and from public speaking are, are just going to far outweigh the, the other two um, as much as I'd like to believe that. I could have gone pro in the other ones. What about your education? How how much did that play a role in your career? Yeah, it's it's funny because you you find when you go through um, you go through college and it's really you get a degree and you don't always end up going towards a career path and what your degree is in, right? It's I, I never really knew what exactly in marketing I was going to end up in. And I didn't know if it would be in market research or if it would be in, in analytics. And I originally, when I first got out of college, was working for the corporate offices of Kroger. And I was uh, analytics in terms of really like products on the shelves um, and determining what products were placed where and was doing planograms, um, which is fascinating and a whole different arena and those are things that you never really learned in specific marketing classes in college um but it's the process of getting through college that kind of taught you how to teach yourself the the things that you're going to have to learn on the job so it's more of the discipline of getting through the education and teaching yourself the, the skills of how to operate in the, in the real world and the next steps that I think are far more value than the, the actual topics and things that you, you do learn. Uh, so it plays a role. It just, it doesn't play the role that I thought it would going into it. So going back to what you do in your current role, um, more on the CRM side, can you explain how CRM works and um, what you like about it? Yeah, CRM uh, is really, the easiest way to think about it is at the end of the day, every business kind of operates with a, a database of people or companies or whatever entities they are, they're operating with, right? And that's... Uh, whether it's a sales team that's making outbound phone calls or taking the inbound phone calls or sending out campaigns, distributing opportunities and building dashboards, tracking activities, whatever it may be, 
your your regular business is kind of operating often through a customer relationship management tool. And your more common ones are typically you know, cloud-based ones from Microsoft Dynamics or Salesforce.com. And then in, in Fan Interactive, we're also system agnostic. So we've got plenty of teams that are mainly on those two platforms, but there also could be ones on HubSpot or a variety of other tools. And for the most part, where we come in and help is we've got expertise in, in using those tools and can help clean up uh, a system so that we come in on day one and bring best practices from not only the sports industry, but other industries and help a team distribute leads, input data, streamline processes and improvements so that their their day-to-day CRM administration is helping and not making things any more uh, difficult um, from a a day-to-day perspective. Um, There's a lot of simple questions that either sales managers or directors, VPs, owners are looking for on a a day-to-day basis. And uh, without a CRM tool, it's hard to get those answers. And uh, we come in and and make those answers a lot more attainable and easier to, to access. What would you say are some challenges across the industry for CRM? There are a wide variety of challenges, and uh, I would say that the first one would be the wide variety of, I don't want to say demands, but the wide variety of things that certain directors or ownership want to see data in. Uh, and what that leads to is really a, a variety of either field sets or uh, processes that are a little one-off or non-standard. So, you know, you'll often hear the question of, well, we operate a little bit differently than, than everybody else. And at the end of the day, everyone really operates pretty much the same. Uh, so you have to kind of find the way to work more within the parameters of of everybody kind of operating within the same same sandbox as opposed to constantly making these little one-off tweaks to to customize for everybody. So that's probably the, the most uh, difficult thing for for most clubs is the the constant customizations is kind of just accepting like you know what we're we're not a a special snowflake we are a business just like any other and we can make things work just using most of the standard tools and they will be effective. What do you think the future of CRM will look like? Yeah, I think the future of CRM, uh, and it kind of ties back to, you know, what are the future breakthroughs and not just CRM, but data and analytics in general is the amount of, of data that can be processed and processed effectively. Uh, is going to increase drastically over the next several decades. And uh, a really good example is um, I, I recently moved back to my my first hometown in Richmond, Virginia. And I, I since I work remotely, I work in a uh, a co working space called Gather. And I, I was working a couple weeks ago, and this this guy heard a conversation I was having. He walked over and explained what his business is and he and another um, buddy of his are just had funding from some venture capitalists for 
this project called Nomic. And Nomic AI is the, the product these guys are working on. And I'm going to botch the explanation of it, but um, basically what, what they had been working on and, and received funding for was taking these incredibly large amounts of complex data sets, running them through um, some tools that will identify relationships and map them out visually on one page, one map. And the example on their website was taking all 6 million articles that are out on Wikipedia and just showing them all as like little dots on this huge map. And you can see some of the relationships that are out there. And there are some uh, use cases for Fan Interactive that we're, we've talked about with them. But the the point that it kind of drove home to me was like, that is, it's an insane amount of of data, one is it's you know, all of Wikipedia, but the fact that there are that many data points and kind of figuring out all these different relationships, and that it did it within a matter of seconds uh, it, and pretty cost effectively, is just become more and more of the norm. And that also means that the data will become more readily available, not just to data scientists who are specifically trained in interpreting this data, but people who are just asking fairly simple questions who are trying to get fairly simple answers. And I think that really changes the the landscape of how business analytics operates because then data analysts are not spending their time uh, really cleaning data and preparing it for these tools. They're spending more time interpreting it and helping businesses make decisions, which is really the, the entire value of, of analytics to an organization more than anything. Following the threat of analytics, what is the value of analytics to an organization? That is a really good question. And to me, uh, the value of analytics to an organization is almost everything. And almost is the, the key word. And so what I mean by that is, and this is something our, our CEO, Ail Mintz, uh, says all the time, it all starts with, with data. And I completely agree. Uh, it's the foundation for, for business in, in our eyes. Um, and the quote that I always think about is uh, the management guru, Peter Drucker, uh, who says, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And the way that I build any reports or any dashboard, anything that's for either our business internally or any of our clients is what lever can you pull? What business decision can you make based on what you were looking at? And analytics helps drive all of that, right? But at the same time, it's not the end all be all. You cannot make every business decision solely by looking at a set of numbers. It provides you with context and a tool and a toolkit, but it's not the end all be all. So what analytics does is it provides you with a conversation starter. And I'll give you a good example of something that happened actually in our business last week where I had a internal report that I was using to look at some operational things and uh, had found that there was some kind of, kind of weird anomaly and asked another employee about it. And if you just looked at the numbers, you would have thought that this employee was doing something wrong. 
And turns out the employee was just doing something differently because of something that was actually not necessarily a flaw in my process, but just something different. And what it led us to was a conversation that helped us improve the business. So to me, the value of analytics is that it's, it's the basis for having those true conversations that lead to business changing decisions through either conversations and in decision-making or if there are reports that are, you know, if you're just looking at your inside sales manager and you're looking at just call logs and, and things that don't really require too many conversations, then that, that's a little bit different, but it, you have to understand that there's just, there's context with, with all of these things. And that, that's what I just love about analytics and in, in business is that it, it just provides that, that true conversation starter. How do you navigate when the conversation you need to have is against the general philosophy of the business. Like, let's say you've, you uncover an insight that generally isn't seen favorably. How do you navigate communicating that? Yeah, that is generally a very difficult one. Um, and obviously it has to be handled very, very delicately. And if it's something that's going to be seen in a negative light, the very first thing is you better have the numbers to back it up. And I, I would have multiple discussions with multiple people just to make sure that you have your bases covered, right? Like, am I interpreting this right? Is this correct? Uh, you don't want to really throw your neck out on something that you may not have interpreted correctly. Uh, so make sure that you've you've done your, your homework, so to speak, and always make sure that you're taking emotion out of it where you can. Um, if it is a topic, especially in a business that is naturally can bring some emotion out in in a meeting or something, then the the report, the facts, the numbers, whatever it is, just need to be delivered with fact-based tone essentially um that's something my dad always kind of taught me um on, on these types of things is you know when you can just have to take emotion out of it and just reasonable rational thought process and conversation if i'm a business owner and i have a medium-sized business let's say what advice do you have for improving analytics for an organization yeah, there's really two things that, that I would recommend for um, really any business who wants to improve their, their analytics. And uh, those two things, the first one would be uh, willingness. Um, I've seen so many companies really take advantage from having a willingness to try things um, with guardrails. So what I mean by that is if if there's a report or some some process that uh, a company can attempt to try and it's with little harm, you know, if, if it doesn't work, it's not going to cost millions of dollars. It's not going to be a big deal to pivot. Then give it a shot. Um, it's always worth the attempt on certain things. Uh, I have tried more things that have not worked than things that have worked. And it has usually led us down to a path that 
led us to something better. Um, so the willingness has always been something that's been incredibly helpful. And, and having, especially the management um, leadership that we have at Ben Interactive, are incredibly willing um, to to try different things. So it's it's been wonderful. Uh, the second thing uh, is something I talk about with our clients and, and teams all the time is starting with the end in mind. Um, there are plenty of professional clubs, and, and we work with about uh, I would say a little over a third of all professional teams across all the leagues. And uh, there are plenty of, of folks who will hop on calls with us and say, hey, I want a report that does this or tells me X, Y, Z. And that's all fine and well. Um, but the, the next question is, okay, what what are you going to do with that information? Like, well, what I really want is I want to be able to work with my reps on this skill, or I want to know that season ticket holder doesn't have this level of contact in this period of time. Okay, then that's where we need to focus. We need to start with what, what is the actual business case that you want to start with at the end of the day? What, what do we want to kick out and then work backwards from there? And if you combine those two things where you're starting with the end in mind, what do you want to have a system, whatever it may be, kick out at the end of the day? And then if you're willing to try different ways to get there at the start, then you're normally going to come up with something that's going to work out pretty well in your favor. So, Ryan, tell me about the different marketing tools that you like to work with. Yeah, another really good question. So we have a wide variety of tools that we work with. And uh, I think I've mentioned this before, but you know, Fan Interactive is pretty tool and system agnostic. So we, we get a chance to work with a lot of different things. Uh, but you know, personally, one of my favorite tools to work with is one that I'm sure that a lot of people out there are familiar with, which is Zapier. And the reason I love Zapier is because, one, it's easy and available to, to work with Zapier.com. And you can hop in there and you're good to go, but it connects to so many things. So, you know, I'll just give a, a quick example use case. Um, you know, I've got a professional team that, that I work with, and they utilize both Facebook lead ads and Formstack uh, to generate leads for a campaign. And we were able to use Zapier to uh, bring in both of those types of forms, bounce that data off their Microsoft Dynamic System, identify if those people exist. Uh, if they do exist, they just kind of flag them. If they don't exist, they create them. Uh, at that point, uh, we have a, a process that runs in Dynamics that creates the campaign for that person and assigns out appropriately in the system to that rep. Uh, then Zapier also sends an email out to that person using the the custom email process that the, the team uses. So it's very simplistic in its UI, but it's very advanced in terms of its ability to connect systems and the amount of applications. Um, so I, I really like using that and it's extremely affordable from uh, the level of plans that it has. Um, and it, the one that's on top of that that I, I really love is Retool. Retool is, to me, kind of Zapier on steroids. Uh, Zapier 
doesn't have as much flexibility as retool and maybe there's some folks out there that hear that and will cringe but um, retool allows for a little more uh, querying with like sql on top of json that that type of type of thing so I, i've built some internal tools using retool but we also uh, we've been able to use some retool applications for for client-based things as well uh, that again also connect to a lot of the same applications that uh, that Zapier does, and we mainly mainly use it on the CRM side, but I think we will also start using it more on the email side as we connect um, with the APIs to other tools. So I think we'll we'll start moving more towards Salesforce Marketing Clouds, the Eloquas, uh, Marketos, those types of things. So uh, luckily, the flexibility of a retool or Zapier allows for so many of those uh, tools, and especially being a system agnostic company. Uh, makes it really, really valuable to uh, an organization like ours. What company size would you say um, it is best to start using CRM and email like tools? I would say that luckily for everybody, really, there is a plan for everyone. So um, uh, HubSpot, for example, is a, a platform out there that's pretty intuitive and you can have a free plan so if you are a business of one and running your own llc or whatever it may be you can have your own free plan and run your contacts accounts deals contracts whatever it may be through hubspot and say if you're not able to afford some of the fancy workflows of hubspot uh, but you do know how to work zapier then you could use Zapier for some of the automations that you may need. So uh, if you are a growing business and it's like, oh, I've got way too much on my plate, that that doesn't really make sense, then maybe it's time to, to look at a Salesforce or a Dynamics. So it all just kind of depends on where you're at in your, your business life cycle. But I don't think there is any business out there, regardless of size that should not be using some level of a CRM tool. Uh, to me, and maybe I'm incredibly biased, but uh, it's an imperative tool for uh, just organizing your your day-to-day business functions. Final question for somebody who wants to go into your career path, what would you say are some skills to build early on to get there? This is a really good question, and it's a lot easier to answer now than even it was maybe four or five years ago. The amount of resources available to people through the internet is uh, just crazy better than it, than it was. Um, what a lot of recruiters, and I use recruiters kind of lightly because you know, if I'm looking for a new CRM analyst. And what I'm looking for in a resume is someone who's usually got a degree with some level of marketing or some level of sports business, a lot of that good stuff. But then I'm also looking for some keywords, I'm looking for people who have dynamics experience, so they have Salesforce experience, so they have Tableau experience, so they've got some other key tools that we're going to be operating in every day, you know, Excel, all that, all that good stuff. So, the tricky thing has always been, well, how do you get experience without having experience? And 
what I've been recommending to people for the past year or so is going to sites like Udemy, uh, U-D-E-M-Y, I believe it is spelled, and take certificates, take courses, and they're pretty affordable. You can usually do ones for $25 or $10, whatever sales maybe, and you're then getting access to tools that you really would never have affordable access to. Uh, so if you want to get into sports CRM and you know that sports teams are using these tools, then go take those courses. And that way you can throw it on a resume. You're going to be able to, to meet that eye test of someone who is scanning these. Answer that, or they ask that question of, oh, yeah, have you used Tableau? Have you used Dynamics before? And you can confidently say, yeah, I have this certificate. I have this qualification. And that looks incredibly impressive to you know, someone who's in my shoes looking for people with experience who haven't even been on the team side before. So uh, the other thing I would say is uh, like for uh, for education, um, you know, just looking at like my education, I've got a, a bachelor's from Miami of Ohio. I have an MBA from Wayne State, but I'm, I'm also starting a certificate um, for data analytics at University of Richmond, uh, where I'm where I moved back to. And that's another really useful thing. So there's, because there's a, this myriad of online options for classes, if there are things like analytics certificates that make sense for whatever topic um, someone is looking into at a school that they really enjoy and it's affordable, I'd recommend that too. So uh, whether it's something a little bit larger uh, from a university like that, or something like a Udemy or um, other, I can't remember, some of the other, like Coursera, I think is one of the other ones I would I would think of, uh, then I would say those are great options um, just to have in your resume and pass that eye test. Thank you so much for sharing that, Ryan. And thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been great to have you. Of course, really appreciate it. Awesome. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you soon.